They say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. However, Fujiko learns that the way to a man's ego is through his grandpa. But, you know, diamonds are a girl's best friend. And no aquatic rodent is going to stop her from getting her rocks on. of Cyburns and Cigarettes stars Drew, hey, Natalie, hello, Emma, hi, myself, Chris, and Jerry Mathers as the beaver. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what a pull. Wow. <laughs> was that a Leave it to Beaver reference? It sure was. <laughs> oh, Lord. Was that a motherfucking Leave it to Beaver reference? <laughs> good so my faith in that wasn't misplaced good no I, i'm ashamed to admit i used to watch that show as a kid and oh, oh yeah i'm still ashamed to admit it i've seen my fair share of beaver wait <laughs> hold it <laughs> hold the fort damn is it top five <laughs> this is a good christian podcast <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. Someone just needs to put the um the Pornhub drum the drum motto here in a beat. <laughs> and then just like Uncle Roger, just look at the camera and say, sorry, children. <laughs> oh boy. Well, welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a loop on the third podcast. A podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries of the Lupin the Third franchise in mostly chronological order. On this episode of Sideburns and Cigarettes, we're once again diving further into the jollier second half of Lupin's first TV series as Fujiko and Jigen gaslight Lupin in com- into committing the Great Hoover Heist of 1972 in... <laughs> Lupin the Third, Part 1, Episode 16, Operation Jewelry Snatch, which aired on February 6th, 1972. This is the first episode to actually officially be credited to A Production, which is uh, Miyazaki and Takahata's team. The last few episodes were uncredited, but it's now credited to them. But this is the first one, like when it aired, this showed the credit for A Production. This episode was written by Mon Shichijo who wrote episodes of Attack Number 1, Karate Master, Tensai Bakaban, Akado Suzunosuke, and an episode of the live-action Giant Robo series. Their Lupin credits include the upcoming episodes 17 and 20 of Part 1, and episodes 33, 35, and 36 of Part 2. This episode was storyboarded by Satoshi Dazaki, who was a very prolific director, storyboarder, screenwriter, and producer, his directing credits include They Were Eleven, which he also storyboarded, Urusai Yatsura, The Final Chapter, The Two Uriki-O OVAs, The 1982 Kyojin no Hoshi, or Star of the Giants film, and the infamous Mad Bull 34. 
He was an episode director on Star of the Giants, The Rose of Versailles, the 1980s Astro Boy series, New Aim for the Ace, and Combatler V. In an effort to save time, I'll just say he also storyboarded on a number of the series I just mentioned. Also did storyboards for Glass Mask, Mrs. Pepperpot, Tensai Vagabond, The Gutsy Frog, and Samurai Giants. And uh, by the way, he is the eldest brother of Osamu motherfucking Dezaki and worked on a number of projects with Dezaki, which is that's I don't know how like how much they were actually involved together, but that's just kind of a little sweet anecdote. You'll see like there's a lot of things where like either Dezaki's directing and Satoshi Dezaki's like doing storyboards or something else for us. That's, that's just kind of cute. The guest cast. We only have one guest cast member listed here who is Beaver. And there is only a Japanese voice actor credited, no English voice actor. And it was Akira Kimura played Beaver. Uh, He was Chairman Maruyama in the 1968 live action series Vampire. He was Hanbei in Ninpu Kamui Gaiden, a series which also starred in some episodes Yasuo Yamada, Kiyoshi Kobayashi, Yukiko Nikaido, Chikao Otsuka, and Goro Naya. So the entire Lufan gang also, at some point or another, made an appearance in the same series, which was kind of a neat little thing I stumbled on. In the Space Battleship Yamato series, across the franchise, he voiced a number of characters, including in the original series, he was Kawaru Shintani and the narrator in the original Space Battleship Yamato series. He was Ryu Hijikata in Farewell to Space Battleship Yamato and Yamato 2. He was the Great Emperor in the film The New Voyage and Ram in Yamato 3. So everything goes back to Yamato. Everything at some point or another. All goes back to Space Battleship Yamato. And so before we dive into this episode, let me read the synopsis. Fujiko tells Lupin that the upscale beaver jewelry is involved in diamond smuggling. So Lupin decides to vacuum up their collection. But just as Jigen expected, Fujiko manipulates them and takes off with the loot. This double cross won't stand. Someone's going to jail and someone's getting the diamonds. But who? did you feel about Operation Jewelry Snatch? Well, uh, because it's me, I feel like I have to point out that this episode is based partly on Chapter 40 of the original manga series, which in Japanese was titled Mr. Psychedelic, Hmm. and in English it was titled What a Skull Wants. It was part of a loose story arc known as the Psychedelic series, which were about Lupin losing his grip on sanity. Hmm. There's actually one chapter that ends with Lupin being institutionalized, like in a padded cell and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty wild uh, story arc. But uh, the manga story was about a skull-faced man encouraging Lupin's greedy ways by having him go over time in his capers and how Lupin keeps screwing up his carefully planned heist because of it. And it's revealed at the end of the chapter that the skull dude is a hallucination that only Lupin can see. It's a pretty wild story. But um, 
As for the episode itself, I have to point out that a jewelry company named Beaver isn't as bad as a mobster named the Phantom Weasel, but it's still not a great name. <laughs> um, in my notes here, I have the Fiat flipping over and then just getting back up and going on like nothing happened was such a great bit of animation. I love that. The bit with the vacuum cleaner was adapted from the manga. Um, I really like the uh, the animation and cartoony faces with Lupin and Jig in disguise as sanitation workers. Mm-hmm. In the dub, I really like Epcar's delivery of, oh, geez, sorry. When uh, Jigen drops the bucket. You get out of here! Okay, I will. Oh, Damn, the carpet! Oh, geez, sorry. I think Fujiko taking the place of the skull faced guy by attacking Lupin's ego and comparing him to his grandfather is a really nice little twist. Mm. Although it does feel a little out of character for Lupin to be so easily manipulated like this, you know, into being so careless. Uh, the whole, uh, damn that Lupin, damn that Lupin, damn that Fujiko. <laughs> That was funny. Even the bootleg subversion I watched like almost 20 years ago, that's still cracking me then. <laughs> Were car phones really a thing in 1972? Because that always stuck out for me whenever Lupin calls the uh, manager of uh, Beaver Jewelry inside his Fiat. I mean, maybe in Japan, but not in America. Let me see. You know, even back then, like when I watched that, I had to do like, a double take. In Finland, car phone service was first available in 1971. That's according to Wikipedia. So it, I guess it was to some degree. Yeah, but it's not like the Finns were going to give it to the Japanese at that time. I mean, especially, still so, under... especially so soon. And just because they were available in Finland, you know, doesn't mean they were widely available. Yeah. In West Germany, the car phone service was first released in 1958. Oh, well, never mind. Wow. Yeah, this is just going off Wikipedia, but I guess it, uh, huh. I'm going to look more into this because now I'm genuinely curious about the history of car phones. <laughs> Let's see. An airplane dogfight. If you didn't know that Miyazaki was involved in this before. <laughs> I also really liked the uh, Michelle Ruff's really squeaky winding delivery of Take me with you! <laughs> Lupin, Jigen, and Fujiko moving the hideout on a zipline is such a monkey punch type of concept. Like, I don't think it actually comes from the manga, but I can totally read a, uh, I can always picture a Shin Lupin story featuring that as the climax. But yeah, the episode, like, it's not one of my favorites, but it's, it's a good one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. It's got some interesting twists or some good laughs to be had. I like it. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. So, Natalie, how did you feel about Operation Jewelry Snatch? Um, kind of the same way about Chris. Also, again, I do apologize if I sound raspy, you know, still dealing with whatever the hell I got. It's it's a fun little romp that almost reminds me of stuff akin to part two. I I do laugh that all it takes for Lupin's ego to get wounded is bring Grandpa Lupin into the mix. You know, Fujiko telling Lupin, oh, you know who would have done this? Your grandfather. How would he feel if you didn't, you know, complete this job? And it's like, oh, my goodness. Is that really what it takes um, for you to do something? That's almost akin to, like, calling um, calling Marty McFly a chicken. Just call him a chicken and shit will get done. <laughs> 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 and it's like it's such a little petty thing you know like come on you could get over being called a chicken and you could get over disappointing your grandfather i don't even think your grandfather's alive right now to really care but jokes aside from that um i do love the little moments with jigen and lupon especially jigen telling him now fujiko's you know trying to screw screw you over again he's like no 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 i must do this i must do this for my grandfather and then the, the zany moments of them being part of the sanitation department as they get into the uh, jewelry store 
and him using a vacuum reminding me of the Christmas episode from part two, the Tiffany episode of how they <laughs> use vacuums to just grab everything. Well, in some parts, but you know, cause they used um, the lightsaber guns. <laughs> oh my goodness. What else? Um, I do. I enjoy the dub. Richard, of course, sounds very much more comfortable and less phone in, mm. in, in here in the dub. And also, of course, uh, Tony Oliver and his little voice gags. Just a little hell yeah that you get from him. Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. Oh, hell just, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why that called out to me <laughs> in that episode. I was just like, did he just say hell yeah? Hell yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You two come to Papa. <laughs> and of course, um, oh, God. the For me also, um, when... You know, they mistime the heist and their front tires get popped because of the thumbtacks. I was super afraid because that car was up on a hill that it was going to just like slide back. But no, it, it stayed. There was a tow truck. And wouldn't you know it, the tow, the tow truck driver is Fujiko, ready to steal the gems from underneath his nose. <laughs> and I also love the squeakiness of Michelle Ruff's voice, which is like, take, you know, me, me, take me with you. But other than that, I don't have much to say about this episode. If I have anything else, I'll chime in. But it's just a fun little zany um, episode. Really does remind me of some part two stuff. And of course, um, you can't you can't get away with the whole um, Lupin's ego being so tiny that bring in his grandfather and he'll get shit done sort of mode. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Emma, how do you feel about this episode? actually had a few moments where I did laugh out loud, um, mm -hmm. which I'll get into that specifically. But I wanted to go into first uh, Beaver's voice, uh, English. It's the same guy that plays Kowalski and Legend of Gold of Babylon. Okay. So I looked it up on Anime News Network, and it's credited as Taylor Henry. Okay. So I was like, I walked away for a little bit while I was watching the English dub part of it. And I was like, I think I said to myself, I was like, fried chicken. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's the same guy. <laughs> so I think it's Taylor Henry. It sounds very familiar. So maybe that is the English credit. I just, uh, I was like, when I was listening to it, I was like, that sounds like uh, the guy. In Legend Gold Babylon. So <laughs> hey, you made more progress than that Lupin wiki. So look at that. <laughs> I know Tabby's making her way through it, but like that is an undertaking. So well, oh, yes, to salute that effort to make yeah. a good Lupin wiki. Yes. Yeah, but if any anybody can do it, it's her. So oh yeah, right. We salute you. Hopefully, she takes that uh, credit, the uh, Taylor Henry. So just as an aside, I just want to point out that I made an account just to make a single edit to uh, one of the pages today. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, let me guess. Is it the fact that they did go on Ishikawa the 13th, maybe? No, that's next to my list. No, it was in it. I made a uh, edit to the notes section of a manga chapter where I mentioned that the robot from that chapter appeared in first contact because it was not mentioned on there. So, which is something I mentioned on this podcast before. When we talked I thought about you were saying like something like somebody wrote something and you were like in the notes, this is wrong. Like with a footnote <laughs> that goes right to the notes just saying this is wrong. It's false. 
I mean, I, I guess I could do that for a few things while you're talking. Give me a <laughs> <laughs> She's going to become, uh, become Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> this yeah, is yeah, false. true. It's false. <laughs> we made it up. There are a lot of things I liked about this. Um, like I said, this episode's just goofy. It's just fun. Mm. Um, and sometimes I just like that, that like heart, lighthearted, just kind of funny, goofy atmosphere. For instance, I love Lupin's design and his expressions. Yes. Like they're just like awful. I, I feel like this is like really when we really start seeing Lupin be like as uh, emotive and as expressive as he mm-hmm. is in later um versions of him so and it's also not only probably like the beginning of that but it's also the first time that we see him driving a fiat 500 oh yeah that hasn't appeared yet has it no <laughs> oh like, shit hey <laughs> 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 huh. i did my research on this one episode 16 it's like a nothing episode but i was like hey we're gonna figure out some things yeah um at first, I thought the yellow stuff that Jigen put, like, when he dumped the bucket, which I laughed out loud. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, the sub and the dub. I was like, <laughs> smooth. Um, <laughs> at first, I thought that was pee. Because, like, they were said that they were, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> they, they, they said that they were fixing the toilet. They were plumbers. So I thought, I was like, did you just have a bucket of piss? And then they got stuck in it. And I was like, okay, it's not pee. <laughs> it sure oh, no. looked like it, though. <laughs> I was like, oh, so they did a literal glue trap. They did a flood. <laughs> 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 like, you know the glue trap meme? <laughs> so I'm dying at this point. I was like, no way. <laughs> no way. Also, like a box of nails somehow. Like, is in- I wrote a box of nails. <laughs> And that's all I wrote. That's <laughs> a box of nails. I guess you can say they did a piss poor job with this heist. Come on, man. <laughs> it was like, God damn it, this sucks. I did this to myself. Look, this is totally your fault. <laughs> Chris Bear, watch it. We're on a very uh we're on a high wire. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Fujiko is delightfully manipulative in this. Mm. I, you know, like the more I like watch through part one, the more I'm like, I love her so much. Like, you know, we were joking. We support women's wrongs. She is so great in this. Like, she has her like very like feminine. Like when Michelle Ruff's doing her like her squeaky like, let me on too. But also, she's so like gaslight gatekeep girl boss. <laughs> literally gaslighting uh, Lupin um, and like playing into his ego which I agree with Chris like it is out of character but it's also like a little in character if that makes sense like it's out of character somewhat out of character but not entirely right because like he does have a huge ego like he's extremely oh yeah absolutely like Um, like we saw that back in uh, One Chance for a Prison Break Right. You know, you know, Lupin was so petty about having his ego bruised that he tormented Zenigata for a whole year over it. So, yeah. Relatable. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think, honestly, Fujiko would be the person to really be able to, like, needle that. Using his grandfather, I think, like, may, maybe not as, like, maybe that's where it's, like, not fitting with me. 
like it almost feels like it would be like more of a, a personal thing on him and not using like a familial uh, mm-hmm. aspect. Um, I don't know, but she she's great. I love her. And then when she like tries to jump on the plane, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, get it, girl. You failed, but you're not going to admit it. It's like literally the end half of this for her is like when you're arguing with somebody and you know like halfway through the argument that you're wrong, but you double down anyway. <laughs> like I'm already in this deep. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. That's Fujiko to me in this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Like because she's like, whatever, no, I'm going to I'm gonna fight for my right here to live. <laughs> so she like jumps on the plane and then like Lupin, also, we mentioned this on prior episodes. Like, again, he is such a little asshole in this. Like, I just want to punch him. Like, he gets that little tickle thing, and I'm like, it's rude. Like, he, she's just sh- hanging there. And then she says, like, don't leave me here. And he literally shoots her down, and she falls on her face. Which I Hold always... jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I always really appreciate whenever there's like physical comedy with Fujiko because I just don't think it happens as often as like the guys do. Like, I think it ha- obviously it happens the most to like Lupin and Zenigata and then Jigen and then Goemon and then I think Fujiko. And I'm not sure like what it is, but she has to be like the really sexy, sex- sensual character. But I mean, Goemon slips on a banana peel. He's <laughs> a lot. It's just like one of the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> just hear the mock the sound <laughs> Makua Nui makes in that scene is burned into my memory. Can you can, can you put it here? Yes, of course. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when I mentioned earlier, like when I started um, laughing out loud. That part where I did was Zenny got a falling away from the cliff. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to pause. I don't know why. It just looked ridiculous to me because, like, he's like straight body, just like falling. And it's like kind of (laughs) slow. Like, the pace of falling away is slow, and he's like screaming at the same time. when I watched it, I, like, could not stop laughing. <laughs> That's, like, so <laughs> The simple things, I mean, his simple minds. I, like, we mentioned with uh, Jigen, uh, Richard Epcar in the dub, like, he's definitely finding a stride. And I see that in the last couple episodes. Uh, I watched the sub and then the dub, like, immediately after. And both... Uh, <laughs> In the sub and in the dub, they kept my favorite line, which was, I hope you shrivel up in the sun. And <laughs> I thought both deliveries were just perfect and just so Jigen. Get me down! Shut your trap, traitor. I hope you shrivel up in the sun. Oh, no! I loved it. And yeah, like Chris mentioned, when he drops a bucket, it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it like really, like... He's finding more of the goofy side of Jigen again. And I think that really, like, part four and part five, you really didn't have that side of him. Like, as opposed to, like, part two, where he was allowed to be a little bit more goofy. But, like, part one, there is a lot of, like, goofy Jigen in it. Even, like, in the Osumi episodes. So I think, like, 
it's just kind of like took him a little bit of time to find how to beat still Jigen, but also kind of make it a little bit more comical and goofy, which can be hard to do for a character like Jigen. There is an animation error at the end that I noticed when they're flying on the plane and the boys are supposed to be in their underwear, but when like it's in the distance, you can see like Lupin is in green jacket and stuff. So just something I noticed that's petty, petty. Speaking of animation errors, uh, shortly before that, I think around time the hideout falls apart, Zenigata's hat is colored the same as his uh, coat. Right. For, yeah. for a shot. An, an animation error, too, is uh, having Fujiko have short hair. Well, I think, that, I think that's a bit more than an animation error, but you're right. It is a mistake. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, right. it is. <laughs> that's just like a more like a personal error, like the opinion on my part. It's more of a character design error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nothing against like short hair and characters at all. I mean, it's like it's like she was cute last episode, but it's like part of a disguise. And this right. one, it's like it's even shorter in some parts, and it just doesn't look right. good. Yeah, no, it just doesn't really like suit her. She's not like a short hair girly. I don't, I don't know. Like, but I have drawn her with like a pixie cut, like a wavy pixie, and that was cute. So, like, if we did short hair on her, I would like to see like a pixie cut. But like I don't know, like the the blunt kind of bob thing is just like a little like borderline like Karen for me. So I'm like, yeah, I mean like the bob worked in uh, Goemon's blood spray. I think it just it all yeah, her personality. she had very bold fringe bangs, whatnot. Right, and that like it's yeah. just very pedestrian in this. Right. She looks like an NPC. She does like a background <laughs> character. Going back to Fujiko's hair in that uh, blood spray, you said bangs, and then I think bong. She hey. <laughs> did do that wrong uh, very incorrectly, so right. she but, did hit that wrong. Yeah, I just don't think that part when Fujiko, like this specific design for her, it's like, I don't right. think that shorter hair works. Nah. Most, most of the time. I'm Sometimes glad you brought does. blood spray, though. The short hair of blood spray is... Blood spray is the best part one, not so much. There it is. There it is. It's been um, a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I just had fun with this one. It was not my favorite by any means, but there was a lot that was enjoyable. And yeah, it made me laugh out loud, which I always appreciate. So that's, I think, all I have on this one. So Drew, how did you feel about this one? See, so this one, I... I, Well, the first thing I'll mention with this episode, that's the very first thing that sticks out to me if you watch both the sub and the dub on the discotheque Blu-ray is that this is the third and final OP of Lupin the Third Part One, which has a delightful new theme song, which we previously heard in the episode where Lupin Gigander's bombing that village full of the goons. And it's just it's called Lupin the Third Theme Song Three. Rubang, rubang, rubang. Rubang, rubang, rubang. Rubang. Like it's impossible to not be filled with joy when you hear this like particular theme. It's interesting because in this episode, I don't know if, if you watched the sub version or the dub on the uh, the Blu-ray. It's the only version of this OP that has a very quick narration from Inspector Zenigata at the end of the OP. Yeah. 
girl friend if he like does a rundown of all the characters, their relationships to each other, and then who he is. And in on the Blu-ray, that is dubbed by Doug Erholtz. And he does an incredible job reading that at such a fast pace. It's great. But I, I, I love this theme song. It's great. It's uh, sung by Yoshiro Hiroishi, who is a Japanese Latin singer who has sung in South America before, still alive and kicking, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I really, really love his singing in it. It's just, it's hard to not be like, there's just so much enthusiasm in it. It's great. As far as the episode itself goes, I love how in this episode, for like as brazen as the heists have been so far, I like how Lupin attempts to be cautious responsible and reasonable in this episode in the beginning and gets roasted into oblivion for it from both Fujiko and Jigen. They taunt and gaslight him into doing a like a heist with like a septic vacuum (laughs) is where this ends up like going. I don't know why. It's just funny how Lupin's like, we're not going to do this. We're going to play it safe. And then they're like, Rip Bozo, you fell off. Fucking lame ass. (laughs) Fucking nerd. You fucking (laughs) bitch. Um, Lupin Potato, yo mama. (laughs) Relevant. We'll be getting to that soon. Uh, Because like, like, Fujiko is obviously the one who's like, verbally taunting him the most but there's like this shot when she pulls up for the first time she's like well did you do it and like she can just kind of bitchily like shrugs and the next shot in the fiat is him like in the foreground crumpled up in the back of the fiat with just this frown and his arms crossed as Fujiko berates him and it does that slow zoom in on Lupin's face <laughs> where his mouth he's like a muppet <laughs> Like how deep his frown goes. As Fujiko, like, it's hard to mention, like, Emma and Chris, y'all mentioned already, how, like, she keep she fucking brings grandpa into it, y'all. Like, what the hell? He's like, well, your fucking grandpa wouldn't have done this shit. And that's, like, his breaking point. He jumps. He, like, jumps through this sunroof. He's like, it's only $3 million. Again, it's, it's very much like Marty McFly being called a chicken. It's it's unneeded. It's it doesn't make any goddamn sense, but yet it hurts his ego. Like what the fuck? So yeah, it's you know, like I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off here, but go ahead, go ahead. After Lupin Zero, I can start to see why Lupin III would not like being compared to his grandfather. Mm-hmm. On that note, I agree. But this series was made before oh, really? Zero oh, yeah. was oh, definitely. Uh, oh, yeah. made. So it's, it's just an interesting thing to think about in hindsight. Um, I mean, I mean, it's not the. Sorry to cut you off, Drew, but it, it's not the know. first time that, like, where Lupin is put in this predicament of like trying to one up his grandfather in any any way, shape, or form. I mean, one time I remember it was used was Dragon of Doom, where it's like, oh, my grandfather tried to steal the dragon on the Titanic this many years ago, and he never did it. I did it. Woo! And and that was like a, a huge accomplishment for him. But at least it wasn't an ego. Tri- <laughs> at least it wasn't an ego trip, you know. <laughs> you know, I didn't have this in my notes, but just now it dawned on me. Like, I always personally consider part one and Cagliostro like kind of of a piece together. You know, eventually Lupin does settle down, becomes more mellow. It's almost like he's it's like he's dipping his toe into doing that here. And the minute he does, like Fujiko and Jing are like, oh, you fucking loser. <laughs> it's oh, like, God. okay, fine. 
I won't. I'll wait like 10 more years. Um, so I had a logistical question. In the opening of this episode, when the diamond guys are smuggling the, their shit, there's a shot of like a little like a little buggy that floats in the water and then comes up on land. A vehicle pulls up and opens its trunk. And when you think it's like a pretty big little buggy. And again, I know this is probably just how the animation looks, but this just cracked me up. You see from the profile, the shot of this car opened its trunk and the entire buggy with two grown ass men in it drive into the trunk of the car and the trunk closes. So is it two average guys driving into a giant car with a big trunk or is it two little guys in a little buggy driving into a normal car? I, I want to know like what's going on there. I like to think it's the latter. Yeah, I want to be two buggy. little guys in a little buggy. Just, yeah, <laughs> two little guys in a buggy. <laughs> okay, I got to check this out for myself. I got to rewatch this. Yes. It's, <laughs> it, it's the reverse Thelma and Louise. <laughs> Um, so this is the first instance of, well, I mean, Emma just mentioned this is the first one with a Fiat. And with that, this is the first instance of them in the Fiat careening around a seaside or cliffside road, which we'll very much see prominently in the castle of Cagliostro. Um, just thought it was kind of neat little imagery to see. Chris, you already mentioned the Fiat r- <laughs> rolling out of the way and getting back up, which reminds me of what we'll see in the last episode <laughs> with the train tunnel. You just know the jewelry store is super fancy because they're just blaring classical music in there. So it's just like it it sets up the setting wonderfully. You got like this super fancy jewelry store and it's if to intentionally throw a wrench into the elegance. Literally, this case, uh, Lupin barges in as like a filthy plumber with the septic vacuum, which is just like a funny that that feels like the Miyazaki thing there, because I remember I forget the exact quote, but he wanted Lupin to be like a more like poor thief. That's why like they eventually like in Miyazaki's take they're like living out of the Fiat. They got the cigarette butt. So it's just kind of fun. You get like this really stuffy jewelry store and Lupin barges in like in a straw hat and overalls just to fuck everything up. It's um, it's so classic, though, because it's like if you if you've ever felt out of place and went into a fancy store or like fancy boutique which i have done in san francisco like coming where i'm from and you're like you know you're you're from a the other side of the tracks you don't look elegant you go in there it's like literally seeing another world and they all look like you like oh she must be poor so i felt for lupon in that disguise just coming in like oh where's the toilet and i'm like oh no <laughs> all the while vivaldi's four seasons just starts playing so I, I feel like pointing out the uh the bit in the manga version of the story especially the uh english writing of it let me uh, pull it up here. I shared, I shared it with you guys earlier. <laughs> Where is this going? A sewage truck in front of a jewelry store? That's like so ironic. It's <laughs> a great line. It is. <laughs> you, Matt Yamashita. So yeah, they barge in. Um, there's some incredible faces, specifically in this entire scene. From like even subtle ones, like Jigen's little face when he's hunched over, just spreading the glue everywhere with that blank expression. <laughs> is great we also got like you really get the impression not tonally which i'll touch on that a little bit but that monkey punt that let me get this right that miyazaki and takahata and otsuka and everyone involved like really studied monkey punches manga because like there's full on like the piano grins here that bit when beaver like orders his men to go like apprehend jigen and lupon like snarls in his face seems like it's straight out of the manga You've got Yasuo Yamada, which sounds like screaming directly into the mic. 
which is why I love the subtitle version of this. Like you got the old mics when everyone screams, it's like the loudest thing you've ever heard. And poor Lupin, he does this ridiculous heist. He's ready to pack it up. And then Fujiko just like gaslights him again, not only bringing up Grandpa the second time, but then bringing up Zenigata into it. It's like, well, what's Zenigata going to say of this? Oh, he only stole half of it. And then speaking of great faces, there's just that close up of Lupin with that <laughs> look of just pure frustration, eye crossing frustration. I do love how um, in this, when Lupin and Jigen like do the big getaway, they just toss firecrackers to spook Zenigata and the cops. Like, they, like they've set them to coming more like kind of merry, like crafty pranksters instead of like the hardened criminals, which like it's a it's a change in pace, but I like it. It's fun to watch. They get a flat tire on the seaside road, which is some more Cagliostro foreshadowing, I guess, because, hey, and Emma's already touched on this. I love that this whole episode, Fujiko's just egging Lupin on to steal more shit just so she can have more because she's just playing on double crossing him the entire time. So she's doing all this shit, rolling him up just so she gets more. Again, we support women's wrongs on this show. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> That already, things have already been touched on. The damn that Lupin, damn that Lupin, damn that Fujiko gag is wonderful. I wrote in all caps, flying machine. You know this is Miyazaki. Uh, it's a really fun kind of dogfight. It's kind of brief, but it's cool. You can tell Miyazaki's got like the, the passion for those planes because they're very lovingly rendered. Spend some time with them. Everyone is supremely awful to each other in this episode, which I find delightful. Like, again, they're more merry pranksters, but they're still criminals who love just being assholes to each other. The way this episode ends, they get their comeuppance, which like that. This is the first, I guess, the first occasion of the gang not getting away with what they steal and that becoming a trope that gotten a little tired in Lupin to a degree. Like at a certain point, you're kind of like, I want to see them get away with something, damn it. <laughs> well, apparently that was uh, Monkey Punch's reasoning behind the way Dead or Alive ended. He was tired of, of Lupin coming out of these adventures empty handed. So he's like, you know what? Since you're going to have me do the ending, we're just going to let me get away with it for once. Hell yeah. And that's why he's the maestro. Fujiko gets caught in a tree and Lupin decides to take the Mr. X method to uh, get the loot away from her. I love Zenigata gleefully attempting to just run over Beaver's men at one point when he shows up. There's like, there's the shot of them chasing, but there's this one shot when they're piled up against his van. And he's right behind him as he like leans over the steering wheel. With a big grin on his face. So yeah, you got a vacuum heist, a dog fight, a cliffside showdown, a zipline house getaway. I, I kind of like how this episode just never really lets up. There's never a dull moment in it. So just some, it, it's breezy. It's fun. You sit back, you have a good time. The manga. I just read the chapter today. Boy, they murder a lot of fucking people in that jewelry store. Which apparently, from what I gathered, I could be wrong. I think they add a line in the Tokyo Pop one where like Lupin's like, don't worry, it's just tranquilizers. The fuck they're not. <laughs> yeah, even reading that as a teenager, I was kind of skeptical about that's about whether or not that's what Lupin actually said. I even back then I doubted. Because like that. the one Jewish store owner like tries to go free the alarm, Lupin just shoots him in the back. Yeah. 
Jigen like lines up all the customers and mows them down with a like an evil grin on his face with a machine gun. <laughs> it's it's fucking wild. It's like whoa. <laughs> all right. I mean, you could make an argument that, that was the uh, effect of the uh, of the greedy bonehead, but true. That is my Jigen. <laughs> yeah, I I, re- I really like that that how like. That chapter is really eerie in places like the skull man's fucking like they'll do those panels where it's just a close up of him appearing, just being like, hey, it's me again, amigo, with like this weird, like amorphous, like shapes in the background. It's really ominous. I, I, I liked how creepy it was. It was good. It's good. Spooky season reading. I would recommend the other stories in the psychedelic. Uh, I'm going to a read. Um, I, I like uh, Mr. Skull is the one egging egging him on and Lupine. Something, something like Mr. Skull is like I, I wrote Mr. Skull. That's not his name. I just wrote Mr. Skull. Well, just, to, be, to be fair, he doesn't have a name. He doesn't have one. So that's why I call him the Bonehead. Creepy Bonehead. You know, whatever. I like how he's essentially just like the devil in this story. <laughs> like, like he's like the little devil on his shoulders. Like, but more. Lupine's like, yeah, more. I think the idea that he's supposed to be like the. Uh, uh, like a visual representation of Lupin's greed. Yeah. Because then Lupin just likes, there's that one thing where you're like, I, I, I forgot who says something. This is great radio. At one point, Lupin just gets super greedy. And there's that one panel of just that really wild grin he's got when he's like completely overtaken by the greed, which is kind of fun. My favorite bit was the one I shared with you guys earlier of uh, Zenigata investigating. And the guy goes, he's like, like, how about this safe? Oh, no, he's not dumb enough to what? <laughs> in the middle of grabbing gold from the safe. <laughs> yeah, it's like this great expression on his face. <laughs> Big hole blown out of the wall of it. Right. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, Lupin has such a perfect, like, hand in the cookie jar expression. And <laughs> <laughs> the next panel is like him, like, already, like, he's cleared a huge distance from that one. There's like gold bars dropped along the way. <laughs> he's like, God, I love Monkey Punch. Also, like, the, you can tell the little bit where, like, I think they lost the original materials or something, and he had to redraw, like, three panels. And, boy, this is really no disrespect at all, but you can – it's interesting to see his art style evolve in one yeah. page. <laughs> yeah. Cause, like, uh, hey. <laughs> yeah, because the redrawn pages are definitely from, uh, i say, early 70s, like mm-hmm. around the time of New Adventures. Because it's not oh, quite, yeah. you know, Shin Lupin, World's Most Wanted levels yet, but it's – yeah, it's definitely from a huge for that. And, honestly, I – I can't imagine the original pa- you know, the original panels looking better. Yeah. You know. And uh, the manga chapter, I already mentioned this, it ends on like a silly but kind of eerie note when like he jumps on Fujiko and, you know, like she's into it and she's like, you know, well, well I forget I forget the exact line. This ends on that really like weird note where he's like humping a log <laughs> and she's like, it's all in your mind. You're like, what the, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> You see the monkey putt signature, and you're like, all right. <laughs> well, like I said, you know, you know, there's other chapters in this series, and that's kind of like a recurring, you know, theme that Lupin I like his grip on reality. I need more creepy Lupin. I mean, uh... <laughs> before I forget, I'm gonna look up the uh, the actual chapter title real quick. I'm gonna look actually, at that page. Actually, actually, you go ahead and talk, and I'll. That's actually the end of my notes on here. So yeah, Fujiko uh, Lupin gets gaslit into a big old vacuum heist. It's a good time, good time all around. Just fun, it, this isn't one of my like top favorites, but it's also I genuinely don't mean that in a bad way. It's it's th- this is to set me throw on and just have a real nice night. This is a fun time. 
it's good. I, I, I'm loving the second half of part one. I'm loving pretty much all of part one, save for like two episodes in the beginning. Even then, I don't hate those because right. they're better than most of part six. Uh, <laughs> not to dog on part six. There is good in there. Nevertheless. Uh, all right. So the story I was looking for, it's at 43, chapter 43. But in the Tokyo Post version, it was 52. It's titled The Mind is a Mansion. And that one's, that's, I think it's the last chapter of the Psychedelics uh, series. Um, so, yeah, overall, this is a good episode. Fun time. Not, not, I don't have a whole lot to say. Though. Like, I feel like it's a bad thing. We actually had a whole lot to say about this episode. It's just a real fun time. I feel like the closer we get to the end of part two, because it feels kind of like a marathon at this point. Part one. Um, well, part one. Sorry. Yes. Once we get to part, once we finish part one, finish that marathon, I think we may have a little bit more jovial with these um, podcast episodes, because pretty soon then we'll do the live action film. And then we get to me and Chris's favorite part two, which, uh, oh my God, Chris, we're going to gush, right? We're we're all the gushing. (laughs) Why did I use that word? (laughs) We have a a very, very fun plan in store for how we're covering part two, which we are not revealing to the public yet, but uh, I'll give a little hint. We're getting close. So uh, it's super top secret. Super top secret, but uh, y'all might have a little part in uh, our part two coverage. More on that probably next year. We're getting close. Like, I bet, like, we'll be done with part one, like, early next year, especially if we keep recording at the pace we're going at. Like, we may not release them by the end of this year, but we're getting we're getting to the finish line. I'm, th- I'm, I'm excited. But I'm also feeling kind of sad because I have I'm loving part one, especially here at the end. It. It is continuing to be it just goes up in my estimation as we keep watching. Like they really, really hit the ground running. One would say with this. It's the GOAT <laughs> GOAT <laughs> Oh, um I was waiting for Emma to do a pun and uh, I'm sorry, I was severely disappointed. No. I was gonna say you're gonna have to keep waiting. Oh, I know. <laughs> the the day the day Emma makes a pun, whether it's on this show or in real life, I think that's the day when the apocalypse is happening. And the I, I know will I've start. done some in the past by accident. And I'm pretty sure I've got, I'm pretty sure I'm taking screenshots of them. <laughs> I got them somewhere. I like never realized. <laughs> so, with that, we'll jump to our uh, social media plugs. Uh, Natalie, where can we find you on the social medias? Uh, you can still find me at the the thing that looks like a St. Andrew's cross, the artist formerly known as Twitter. No, it's still Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's still Twitter. I just, I try to make a joke. You can still find me on Twitter at <laughs> Kathleen Helsing. Uh, you can find me on the Instas at Captain C-A-P-T-A-I-N-H. L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. I finally got a blue sky, so do find me on there at Captain C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G dot B-S, you know, wherever the blue sky link is. So, and um, I'm almost done finishing up one essay because uh, one thing I forgot to add is I recently watched um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, and that gave me the boost and encouragement to finish this essay I've been working on for years on the immigrant narrative in media. Um, So if you grew up with immigrant parents or you're first generation and scarred, I hope to God you love what I write about the first generation narrative 
the immigrant narrative in media because it made me cry. It mm. was a beautiful catharsis. And even my roommate, who is also first gen, uh, when I told her about it, she was like, are you going to make people cry? Yes, I'm going to make people cry because all us first gen kids are scarred. Let's be real. <laughs> so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Nice. Um, Chris, where can we find you? <clears throat> you can find me on Instagram and Newgrounds at Amazing Chris Godby. That's a G O D B E Y. My website is theamazingchrisgodby.com. My personal Twitter is drfurball. My art Twitter is at Amazing Chris G. My Mr. Blue Sky is Amazing Chris Godby. <laughs> BS Sky. Social. My web comics can be found at weirdinacan.com and drawokawa.com. I'm also an occasional contributor to luconcentral.com. Hell yeah. That was really well done. That was exceptional. Thank Beautiful. you. I, I typed it out a few weeks ago, and I've been just rereading that ever since. Should probably do that. Same. All right, Emma, how about you? <laughs> well, speaking of, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. You can also find me on the blue sky at E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227.bsky.social. Uh, trying to post some a little bit more on that. Mainly Insane. photos of my animals, honestly. Um, Instagram at E-M-W-O-L-F-E-227. I like how I like kind of almost forget how to spell my own name at times. Like That's where that <laughs> pause comes from. I'm like, hmm, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, I once submitted a contest entry under the name Cross Godby. C-H-R-O-S. <laughs> In my defense, I and O are right next to each other on the keyboard. It is. It is. But what's not helping me is I didn't even proofread it before I sent it in. I got one better. I got one better. I signed up for Bumble just to make some more friends. And for some reason, well, I had to get rid of it because it wasn't under Natalie. It was under Natalur. So I typed, I put an R instead of Now, is that someone who Natalie's, like if your name is a verb, is someone that does that, is they, are they a Nataler? I guess I'm a Nataler. Um, okay. Oh God, that doesn't sound right. It sounds like I'm a tattletale, a tattler. Um, no, um, unfortunately, I think you win. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I got rid of Bumble. I just wanted to make some some more friends, but you never show your face again. <laughs> no, no, they, they they start messaging me. Hi, Nataler, how are you? Oh fuck, yeah. no. Why not dating websites? Not only because of that, just because it's a dating website. <laughs> you can it's you can make friends on it too. Apparently, yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. It's just I, I I could risk misspelling my name. <laughs> Want another Doe Erhold situation? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, immortalized forever again. See, mm. that's why I didn't play when I marched. I learned. <laughs> so that's all I got. Drew, what about you and this podcast? Well, you can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky at DrewHunter15. That's D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. The podcast you can find across all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, and I'm forgetting something, at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. 
Uh, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, feel free to scroll up or scroll down and give us a rating and review. Five stars will be nice. If you don't give us five stars, we will uh, gaslight you in the back of a Fiat until you do. We will oh, roast wow. you. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That is so not threatening at all. But we would totally roast you with uh, the approval that you've been seeking from your grandparents. We will tangle your grandfather over you. Hey, guys, in the future, leave the threats to our listeners to me, okay? <laughs> or, better yet, we'll just call you a chicken until you submit. Anyway, thanks for joining us on this uh, <laughs> review of Operation Beaver Snatch. Uh, <laughs> oh, like your mother? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chris's mom. I was just trying to put a your mama joke somewhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> You ought to be ashamed. I am. It's, it's funny because my mom actually does listen to this podcast sometimes. I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Sammy, is, does that mean Sammy listens too? Yeah, does Sammy listen? Well, Sammy enjoys watching Lupin and Thurb with us, so. Yay! 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 <laughs> Sammy, I hope you're listening. We all love you. Yes. And Chris's mom. I, I want Sammy. And, and yes, Chris's mom, hello. I'm sorry about that. I hope you don't hate me. <laughs> On that note, Lupontic folks, we will see you again next time when we discuss either Lupon caught in a trap or Daisuke Jigen. I guess you'll find out. Either way, Jigen's going to be in. Either way, we're going to talk about Jigen. I could I could talk about Jigen all day. Um, Hell yeah. Is, is it dirty to mention I just commissioned um, basically smut of my OC in Jigen because an artist yeah. needs the money and I, and I need smut? <laughs> 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 I just needed the money and I needed the titties. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Just reading read through the lines there. Uh, I, I need the titties. <laughs> I should add that to my Tinder bio. <laughs> yeah, you are so going to get all the women with that. Uh, hey, look, nothing else has worked, all right? But I got the uh, Titties. <laughs> on that note <laughs> have a good night beaver <laughs>